Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. For some kids, sitting down to eat a whole meal is a chore. But then throughout the day... They're constantly complaining they're hungry. Mom, I want a snack. Dad, feed me. Can a child snack too much? And if you've got a little snacker on your hands, what are the best foods for them? Mandy Sacher is a pediatric nutritionist, founder of Wholesome Child and author of Wholesome Child, a complete nutrition guide and cookbook. Mandy is in the studio now to take us through the do's and don'ts of snacking for kids. Hi, Mandy. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. Listen, I had always been told that just snacking period was a bad idea. Is that true? Well, ideally for children, we really want to create structure and have three meals per day and then two snacks. So little kids can't go for a very long time without eating, but we do want to have that structure in there. And we do know that if a child's snacking the whole day, then comes dinner time and they do not want what's being prepared. No, but that often happens in my house. So why would a child say they're full at mealtime, but then, you know, five minutes later say they want a snack? Is that something to do with behavior or is it what well, is it? there's so many different reasons, but if we typically think what a meal is, it's often quite a complex sit-down meal time, and it consists of vegetables and a protein and some, you know, rice or quinoa. And usually snacks come in a packet and they're all crunchy and crispy and they probably have a bit of sugar in them, some food colorings, some MSG just to bump up their taste. So if you're a kid and you're like, hmm, mum's homemade cooking or those delicious snacks which come with my favorite cartoon character, sometimes that can be a problem. Other issues are that simply they have snacked throughout the day and what's happening is they're spiking their blood sugar levels. So they're going for sugar-rich treat or sugar-rich snack and they're not actually becoming satiated and full. So when it comes to mealtime, they actually think they are full because 10 minutes earlier they were in the fridge snacking on some crisps or whatever else. And then half an hour later, they are like, Mom, I'm hungry. But their body is now conditioned to wanting that quick fuel, those, you know, salty, sweet kind of snacky foods. And that's often some of the reasons why those mealtimes are refused and rejected. So do you have any tips or strategies for parents to, you know, stop or or to maybe pull back that kind of cycle you just described? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, funny enough, I was just with a client two weeks ago who really had that problem. Her kids would come home from school and she had, um, I think, a six-year-old, a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old. And straight away, they went to the pantry. And guess what? The first thing they saw was mom's snack drawer. And in that snack drawer was just everything. You know, I'm not going to list the names of products, but basically all those snacky foods in those, you know, one serving packaging. And they would just constantly be raiding the pantry. So the first thing we did was throw that out. You know, or move it somewhere where the kids can't see it. And instead of that, we filled it up with things like cashew nuts, trail mixes, roasted chickpeas, um, lightly salted popcorn, which are still snacky foods, but they're, you know, not going to spike those blood sugar levels. And then in her fridge, we got all chopped up vegetables. So when they open up the fridge, if a kid sees a carrot and it's not peeled and then they have to peel it, it has to be washed, it doesn't look very tempting. 
they're not going to go for it. But if you slice it up and it's in a jar and there's carrots and there's some cucumbers and some, you know, cherry tomatoes and sliced up avocado, they're going to be more likely to go for those types of foods, some cheese cubes, so things that don't come in packaging. And once they start to eat those more satiating foods, which are going to keep them fuller for longer, you find they don't keep coming back to fill up on those empty carbohydrates or those empty snacky foods. You just pointed out when you were saying they're in individual packaging, it also made me think that's really not good for the environment either, is it? No, so it's not good for the environment, but I really deal with children all the way through childhood. And picture yourself as a six-month-old baby or an eight-month-old or a toddler. Like, honestly, that single serving, you know, those cheeses, it's so cool. And you can unwrap them. And like I said, they might have Minnie Mouse or Mickey Mouse or your favorite character. I say to parents that if you've got those kind of foods, take it out the packaging before you give it to your child because eating is a sensory experience and we don't want to add those types of layers that are natural and especially since we, you know, everyone's thinking about the environment. It's so easy to go and get a cheese block, for instance, and grate it into little stainless steel containers or, you know, slice it up and use cookie cutters to make shapes out of it. We really don't need those those kiddie-sized, you know, packaged uh, you know, and, snack foods. And they're absolutely marketed to parents, aren't they? Because parents think, oh, well, that'll be easy for them to eat rather than thinking, okay, I'll take something uh, that's probably cheaper and more wholesome and I'll make something of it that they can snack on. Yeah, and I think what you're saying is so true where we have to get rid of this notion that there's kiddies food and adult food. From the outset, we should all be eating the same types of foods. So, you know, in my home, and I suppose it was the impetus for starting Wholesome Child when my son was six months old and we started introducing solids, I would make, say, a slow-cooked lamb goulash and I'd take out his portion and then we'd all eat the rest and I'd add a bit of seasoning and salt. But right from the beginning, we were all eating, you know, the same types of foods. And my kids snack on the same foods that I snack snack with you know um that I have and the same for my parents and generations um and I just think it's so important that we get rid of this notion of that's a kid's that's kids food and that's adult food because you know usually those kiddie options are not so nutritionally sound and I think one of the reasons is that we underestimate the capabilities of our children so often moms who've got babies who haven't got teeth yet go oh my, my child can't have finger foods because they don't have teeth and I'm like you know what their gums do a really good job they do you know <laughs> so we got to just change I suppose and I know it's difficult and it's you know it's not overnight but just start to think about how the whole family can start to eat the same types of foods and it is it's a lot cheaper when everyone's eating the same types of foods you're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Mandy Sacher. She's the founder of Wholesome Child. She's a pediatric nutritionist and author of The Wholesome Child, a, new, a complete nutrition guide and cookbook. And we've been talking about snacking. I love in particular, Mandy, how you mentioned that snack drawer and making it into something that um, that kids will actually grab, go into and eat and want to eat. And even the things you mentioned in that drawer, things like cashews and salted popcorn, children will still love that and still think it's kind of a bit naughty, but it, it sounds a lot healthier. But it's definitely about making it accessible for them. Because as soon as you said that, I thought, yeah, my kids really bug me when they ask for food because mm -hmm. I have to get it for them. There's nowhere that I'm comfortable for them to just go and take food. But if all you've got within their reach 
is healthy food, then you'll be okay with them going and grabbing it themselves, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing about we don't want to limit our children's natural appetite. We want them to enjoy eating. We don't want them to just hear the word, no, you can't have, don't, etc. We want positives. We want praise. We want food is fun. Food is lovely. Food is delicious. And we want to have the types of foods in our home that our children can and should be eating. So if you, you know, think about the 80-20 rule kind of when they're at home, you've got their nourishing food on offer. And when you're out and about, well, then, you know, it's not always, does not always go according to plan. You kind of, if you're at a friend's house or if you're at a party, they're going to eat what the other kids are eating. But as parents, we really can control what goes on in the home. And it's all about role modeling. We want our children to eat the same types of foods that they see us eating. Yes, I'm going to have a word to my husband tonight. <laughs> um, when we talk about structured meal times, um, and we often talk about children needing routines, do you have definite set times for each meal when you're at home? Well, we as a family do, but obviously every single family is unique and has a particular set of circumstances. So when we're looking at structure, you want a breakfast, a lunch and a dinner and a mid-morning and a mid-afternoon snack. So that is the overview of the structure and then tailoring it to your, to your family. So for example, if having meals as a family, so family meals are a huge priority and your husband's coming home or your partner's coming home at 6.30 p.m. and you want to wait until they home and you've got a little one. So maybe have your snack at about 5.30, do a vegetable plate, like a rainbow colored vegetable plate and let them snack on that. Then have your bath and then come to the meal, to the to the dinner table. Obviously, if your husband or your partner's coming home at 8 p.m., then you can have that dinner time earlier, get the kids in bed so that, you know, you can then share the meal with your partner. I suppose the main thing is that you just want the structure in place so the children know what to expect and what to look forward to. And you've got to make it work for your own family. So I often hear from parents that family meals, they just can't do them, you know, because they're working and there's too much to do. And I always say set small achievable goals, even if you can aim for three family meals per week and then slowly build it up. So it's all about just making things work for your family. And and you believe in that, that family meal time is good for children? I believe that family meals are the cornerstone of everything. That is when it's time to connect with our children. That's when we role model good eating habits. That's when we can praise. And that's also when we can comfort and reassure them. So I've just finished a five-day food camp where we work with extremely fussy eaters and they've got a range of different issues from um, severe reflux to being on the spectrum or you know being tactile defensive and one of the main therapeutic tools that we recommend for those families to continue the good work we've done is having those family meals where you know for some children food is scary and that is a fact eating is actually one of the most complex tasks the human body performs and for some children touching a vegetable it is scary so when we're there at a family meal and you're sitting beside your child and you are involved and you can actually work out what is that safe space for them to engage with that vegetable Um, and obviously you know a lot of people just think oh you know it's food you pick it up and you put it in your mouth but I can tell you Siobhan the amount of families I see that are struggling with feeding issues and their children's eating I mean I run fussy eating workshops that are so popular and, and mothers and, and parents and dads and whoever comes, they get really emotional because as a mom of two, I've always believed that if you can get feeding and sleeping right, 
hello, you're yeah. on your way. <laughs> and if one of those are out of whack, then it's like, oh, God, just shoot me now. <laughs> yes, you I know? totally agree that you get very emotionally connected with how much your child is eating. Totally. And can I just say, if anyone wants advice on sleeping, do not come to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> Only feeding. <laughs> so um, what are some healthy snack ideas that will last the distance in a lunchbox for, like, say, daycare or school? So think about, you know, think about whole grains, so slow-release carbohydrates, which is usually an easy sell for children. So your whole grain crackers would be a really good idea. If you've got some leftover sweet potato or pumpkin, that actually can go into a recess box. In my... um, in my book, I show people how you can do veggie muffins and healthy scrolls or mini salmon quiches. So I always say make it small if it's for recess, like a mini bite-sized version of their favorite food, a healthy banana bread. But then other things that require no prep, like always say put in at least two serves of vegetables. So cucumber and carrot, for example, or cherry tomatoes. And even if your child has a favorite, keep on stretching them. So pair one of their favorites with something new to kind of expand that repertory. Then you can put in a healthy dip like hummus, tzatziki, baba ganoush, or on my website, I've got a broccoli seeded dip. Um, anything that they, some children like to dip their vegetables into things and you could use it as a spread on a cracker. Dips, they contain vegetables, but they often have healthy fats. So that's a really good one. Uh, cubes of cheese, another good good idea because it's going to keep them satiated. A boiled egg or even leftover scrambled egg. There are some children that are not very good breakfast eaters. So their, their mid-morning snacks actually quite important. For these children, that's when I'd make sure there's the protein, um, the chickpeas, the eggs, even a little bit of leftover. You know, if, if you know they're going to be hungry, some children can go to school and have a little bit of porridge in a thermos for their mid-morning snack. But on the other hand, if your child wolfs down breakfast and has a <laughs> very big appetite, then that mid-morning snack literally can be some dips, some whole grain crackers and some vegetables, and that will, will suffice because, again, you don't want them to be too full for that lunchtime meal. And obviously fruit, getting fruit into that mid-morning snack. But if they've had a fruit smoothie and all they've really had is fruit, which is very common for some children, then, again, you'd want to really um, stabilize those blood sugar levels with some healthy fats and you can send seeds to school, so things like a healthy muesli bar and their recipes in my book, or just making your own trail mix in a little container, some pumpkin seeds, some sunflower seeds, um, occasionally a black bean brownie or another delicious um, snack made from Whole Foods. That's got to be in your book too, surely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and does the afternoon treat differ? Do you change it at all or is it a similar sort of thing? Again, I always, when I'm working on menu planners for specific children, I look at what how they've eaten. There are some children who we call bookend children. They eat a very good breakfast and then they eat a good mid-afternoon snack because they're too busy playing and talking at school. They don't have time to eat. They are the children that are ravenous. And we have to be careful because if we stop to fill up petrol and we um, you know take our kids in to the to pay for our petrol they're going to want everything they see and then if we give them an ice cream or chocolate or lollies it's going to spike their blood sugar levels and that's when sometimes we can have those mood swings and that continual snacking that's when I'd recommend pick them up with a brown rice sushi roll or if you're making chicken a chicken casserole for dinner bring them a wing you know it's something small again I'd always recommend bringing some vegetables to, to snack on but bring them something substantial that's when you could bring them a lamb kofta or beef and veggie meatball um, a quinoa brown 
brown rice ball or if you don't have time to prepare anything get it ha- getting a wrap a good quality wrap or a whole grain s- uh, spelt sourdough if they haven't had a sandwich for lunch and putting on some cheese or some leftover chicken in your fridge just so you can stabilize those blood sugar levels and they can last until dinner time if a child's had a very good lunch at school, again, you would bring something a little bit you know, simpler, a piece of fruit, some vegetables, some dips, um, again, just something that's going to tide them over. In my, in my book, I've got a beautiful recipe for um, uh, flaxseed crackers, which are really easy to make. And again, some muesli bars, coconut macaroon, and just keeping it varied would be my main, um, my main advice and working with your child's natural hunger cues. So working when they are really hungry and they're eating well that's when you give them those nutrient dense powerful uh, you know food hits who knew there was so much to know about snacking that's amazing mandy thank you so much for coming in thank you so much siobhan that was mandy sacker she's a pediatric nutritionist and author of wholesome child a complete nutrition guide and cookbook and for those tips and tricks that mandy recommended just head to our website that's kindling.com.au and search for mandy we'll also include a link to her book you've been listening to kindling conversation if you enjoyed it there's plenty more where that came from Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.